Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Word of Life Chapel this morning. We're so glad that, that you would join us. Wasn't that a wonderful number? They just did a great job. Um, yes. Yes, great job. A couple of announcements to share with you this morning. First of all, we'd like to congratulate um, the Dobbin family. They placed first, second, and third in their respective junior classes on Sunday at the farm show. So let's congratulate them together. That's quite an accomplishment, quite an achievement. Congratulations to all of you. Um, a couple of announcements to share with you. The movie on the wall is this Saturday in the Fellowship Hall for the Adults. It will be downstairs for the kids. Please sign up if you're planning to attend. That way the planning team has an idea as far as numbers for food, um, etc. There will be a business meeting after the service next Sunday. Uh, the budget for 2018 will be presented. All are welcome and encouraged to attend. Um, today is the last Sunday to sign up for the New Testament challenge. So these are not in your bulletin this week, but they're actually sitting out on the foyer table. There's plenty of them. There's also a whole bunch of uh, schedules. Again, I, we ran out last week, actually, of how many uh, papers we needed telling you what day, what passage you'll read, etc. If you are not familiar with it, we're going to be reading through the New Testament together as a church family. It's actually starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow. So if you go out into the foyer, there are sheets of paper. It's two pieces. They're stapled together. It will give you a schedule of what to do. Um, we are going to have a blog that's going to run along with this. That'll be up on the church website and Facebook page um, tomorrow. It's not up today. It'll be up tomorrow. Um, and there'll be two blogs per week. Um, some of you have asked what the app is that you can download. It is called Read Scripture. Plain and simple, Read Scripture. So if you go into uh, either Android or Apple. I don't think it works with those of you who have uh, like Kindles and stuff like that. It has to be Android or Apple. You can download that and follow along. You have to scroll down. We're skipping the Old Testament. We're going to start in the New Testament. So you have to scroll through the Old Testament and you can start with the New Testament. Any questions, please feel free to let me know. Um, let's open our service with prayer this morning. God, you are a good God. Lord, there is none like you. And Lord, we are here today for you. Lord, we ask that you remove the weights and the chains that might have come in with us, the distractions, the baggage that we might have brought with us through the doors. Lord, help us to lay all of that at your feet. Because you're the God who can break any chain. Lord, this morning as we lift up your name through song and as we come before you in prayer, Father, and hear your truth through the message, Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts today. Father, encourage us and challenge us so that we might live more like Christ. Lord, we ask that everything that is said and done this morning is for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing together? So the sermon today is uh, called The Rapture. And so you'll notice some of the songs that we sing uh, talking about heaven, talking about the Lord coming back.
given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion, and we believe that he conquered death, and we believe in the miraculous resurrection, and that he's coming back again. Let's sing that together. 
this time of desperation when all we know is doubt and fear there is only one foundation we broken generation but all is dark you have
Well, good to see all of you here this morning. Thank you for uh, making it out in this cold, cold weather once again. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, you have a prayer list in front of you. Uh, I'm not going to mention anybody by name this morning. I think we mentioned all of the updates last week, but do pray for those on this sheet. Um, remember these folks in prayer. Some have um, some real serious illnesses. Um, some great answers to prayer. We just thank God for the way he's working in everybody's heart. And so, Father, as we approach you once again, we are thankful. Thankful that, Lord, we can call upon your name. That, Father, we can come into your presence at any time, in any place, with boldness and confidence, knowing, Lord, that you always hear our prayers. We are thankful this morning for the fact that you are coming again, that your son is coming back to take us to be with himself. Father, we thank you that you have seen fit to reveal certain things about the future to us, to give us hope, to encourage us. And I pray, Lord, as we begin this new series in eschatology, future things, that, Father, you might guide us and help us to understand these events which you, Lord, have established and planned. Father, we don't know everything there is to know about the future, but you've given us enough, enough to know that, Father, we have a bright future. We have a wonderful future. Father, those who know you as Savior, Father, we have a home in heaven that is being prepared for us even now. And for that, we thank you. Father, we do commit these to you on this list that, Father, are struggling in one way or another. That, Father, you might touch their bodies, that you might reach into their hearts, that, Lord, your grace might be sufficient in each person. We are thankful, Lord, today for allowing us to come together. This is your church. These are your people. Father, we have come to worship you in spirit and in truth. Open our eyes. Help us to see Jesus in his fullness and his greatness and his beauty. Remove the distractions. Father, we pray and help us to focus on those things that are before us. I pray that your word this morning might be sharp, might be that two-edged sword that might pierce our hearts and, Father, change us to become more like Jesus. That's our desire. That's our goal this morning. Father, to leave this place a little bit differently than the way we came. So we ask, Father, that you might examine our hearts, speak to us, forgive us, Lord, of our sins, for, Father, there are many, and help us to be in tune 
now with your spirit as he, Lord, will take your word and he will apply it to our hearts. Lord, as we continue to sing, it's good to sing these songs, Lord, that speak of our future, that speak of our home. Lord, this earth is not our home. The Bible says we're sojourners, we're pilgrims, we're just, we're just wandering through. Lord, our home is heaven. Father, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. It's one of the songs we will sing. It may be morning, it might be noon, it may be night. But Father, help us to be ready. Father, help each of us to know without doubt that when that trumpet sounds, that we will be called up yonder. And so, Lord, use our time together to bring glory to yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a couple of songs that we haven't sung for a little while, um, but we're going to sing them this morning. And Leonard's going to come, and he's going to begin with Marvelous Message We Bring, hymn number 182.
179, Jesus may come today. I'll ask you to stand with me as we sing together, and then those in junior church can be dismissed. 179.
Now, I, I don't know if you ever wonder um, how I arrive at sermon series. Um, maybe you don't care. But um, even though uh, oftentimes I'm not sure myself where things are going, for example, next month, um, the process is always different. But two weeks ago, I preached that sermon on John the Baptist, and we spoke of John being that voice of one who is crying in the wilderness, one who came announcing the arrival of Jesus for his public ministry. And so I've been thinking a lot about Jesus coming back, and then... I got the recent January-February article, our magazine, from Israel My Glory. Whatever happened to the rapture? And so I thought, you know, maybe we need to do something regarding eschatology. That's just a big, long word that means the doctrine of future things. And so we're not going to look... In much depth, we're just going to take three Sundays, but we do want to look at the next great event on the calendar that God has set forth, and that's the rapture, and then next week we want to look at what's called the tribulation, which follows the rapture, and then we're going to look at the revelation, which is really the second coming of Jesus, although Jesus is coming in the rapture. When we think of the second coming, we need to think of it in phases, two phases. One in the rapture, the other in the second coming, separated by seven years of tribulation. So that's what we're going to do for the next three weeks. And, um, of course, only God knows the future, right? You can't predict future. Uh, we can't do that, but God knows the future, and God has chosen to reveal to us some things, not everything, not every minute detail, but enough to give us hope, enough to encourage us, and as I just said, the next great prophetic event on God's calendar is called the rapture. There are two primary texts that we have in the Bible that give us the information regarding the rapture, 1 Corinthians 15, and then also 1 Thessalonians 4. And we're going to look at both of those, but right now I want to read 1 Thess 4. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to that passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's look at what Paul has to say about this great event, and we'll define it in just a moment. He writes in verse 13 of 1 Thess 4, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, 
who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What is the rapture? What is this next great prophetic event on God's calendar? Well, simply defined according to Paul, Jesus comes down and we go up. <laughs> it doesn't get much simpler than that. Jesus comes down, that's what it says in verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven. And then we read over in verse 17 that we who are still alive, we then will be caught up. The rapture is Jesus coming down from heaven and us going up. Now it is interesting who Paul is addressing. He does address, according to verse 13, brothers and sisters. We have those words throughout this little epistle. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you turn over to the very beginning of this book, Paul identifies himself as the writer, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church in Thessalonica. So he's writing this book to the church. He's writing this book to believers. He's writing this book to those who are part of God's family. And those of us who are part of God's family, we truly can call one another brothers and sisters because we are a family. So those who are involved in this catching up are Christians, believers, who have trusted Jesus Christ at some point in their lives for salvation. They believe that Jesus died for them on the cross, that he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and they trusted in Christ and believe that through Christ's blood they have the forgiveness of sins. In John chapter 14, we read these words. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me, believe also in God. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not, this is King James, you're looking at NIV. In my, you know, when I was a kid, I would memorize these verses in King James. It's hard sometimes not to go back. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you might be also. Jesus said, I'm coming back. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going, but I'm coming back, and I'm going to take you at some point to be with myself. And many in the church, in Thessalonica, many believe that, that Jesus would come in their lifetime. They really believe that. They believed that Jesus would come back and they would never have to experience death. The problem was that he didn't. That many did die. And so they were asking a question. What just happened to those who died? 
Jesus said he's coming back and he's going to take us to be with himself. But what about Uncle Harry and Aunt Sally, who have our loved ones who have just passed away? What happened to them? And so one of the reasons Paul writes this text is to inform them. And that's the word that we find in the very first verse in which I read. Brothers and sisters, we're not, we, we don't want you to be uninformed. King James says we don't want you to be ignorant. Doesn't mean stupid. It really means what the NIV says. I don't want you to be uninformed. There's some information I want to give to you. And this is the information he gives regarding the coming of Jesus. So the rapture defined. Jesus comes down and we go up. Jesus comes down out of heaven at some point in the future. And we who are alive and remain, we will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. Now, the rapture described, for this I would like to go back to 1 Corinthians. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's see what Paul, and Paul, by the way, wrote not only 1 Thessalonians, he also wrote 1 Corinthians. So Paul is giving us now a little bit more information over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Describing this rapture, what does that look like? What is the order of all of this? Well, Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, verse 51, we're going to start way down there. Verse 51, it says this, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead, dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Now when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Paul speaks of a mystery here. Paul speaks of a mystery. It's not a whodunit type of thing. Mystery in the Bible is something that had not been revealed, but then God revealed it. Uh, the NIV Study Bible actually defines mystery in this context this way. Things about the resurrection body that were not understood, but are now revealed. As I said earlier, we don't know the future. We don't know what these bodies are going to be like. But God has seen fit to reveal some of these things to us. And one of the things is the description of this resurrection body. That someday we will be resurrected. And he speaks of this body as being imperishable, immortal, a glorified body. Now we don't know when Jesus is coming back. But we know he's coming back. And when he comes back, things are going to happen like that, like the snap of a finger, in a flash, in the blinking of an eye, and we will be changed. He uses in this text the word sleep as a metaphor for death, and a very good one, because when you're asleep, you don't cease to exist, right? You expect to wake up someday. Death is not annihilation. It's not like we just disappear and we never come back. You see, the Bible speaks of death being separation. Now, it's almost as though I'm at a funeral this morning. 
not because you're looking dead to me, please. That's not what, but, but what I'm preaching now is really so much of what I say at almost every funeral I conduct. Uh, because this is the passage that gives us hope. This is how we know what happened to those loved ones who have passed away. And I say at every funeral, death defined is separation. That's what death is. We are made up of spirit and body. And death is a separation of the two. The spirit goes on to live with God, right, to be absent from this body. And I point to the casket here that's not here this morning, but if this was a funeral, here's the body. This is what we've known for all of these years. But this is not Uncle Harry. This is the body of Uncle Harry. And, and this casket will be lowered into the ground, dust to dust and ashes to ashes. But the spirit of Uncle Harry is in the presence with God as we speak. And we need to understand that. That death is separation. Now, we go back to 1 Thess Thessalonians. And I'll tell you why this is important. Because we read of the order now... Now follow this. I know this is maybe getting a little tired. Okay, wake up. All you guys and gals, your eyes are getting a little bit heavy. Just wake up, all right? Now the order of how this happens. Jesus is coming back, but what is the order of all of that? Back in 1 Thessalonians, the passage we just read, in verse 14 it says this. It says, For we believe that Jesus died, he rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. Those who have fallen asleep. Those who have died. What happened to Uncle Harry? What happened to your loved one who has already died? The Bible says that when the rapture occurs in this flash, in this twinkling of an eye, that Jesus comes back with, what does it say? with those who have fallen asleep. Now, where is Uncle Harry? The spirit of Uncle Harry is with Jesus. So Jesus in the rapture comes back with all those spirits who have gone into the presence of God. That's the first thing that happens. Jesus comes back with the spirits of those who have died already. The second in order of, the, of this resurrection is found in verse 16. It says in verse 16, For the Lord himself will come down with a loud command, the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now remember what death is. What is death? Separation. Spirits are with the Lord now, absent from the body, present with the Lord, but the bodies are still in the grave. Maybe they've been cremated. Maybe they've been buried at sea. We don't know, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but when the rapture occurs and the spirits come with Jesus, these bodies in the grave, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, they're resurrected. And they join Jesus and their spirits in the air. And so will they live with Jesus forever. Now, these bodies that are resurrected, they're not the same. Remember, these bodies that are put in the ground are perishable and mortal. What did we just read in 1 Corinthians 15? 
These bodies now are going to be imperishable, immortal, and glorified. And so, those who have died already, who died in the Lord, these, the, the dead in Christ, they had a relationship with Jesus through this life, they've already died. They come back, their spirits come back with Jesus in the air, and the bodies are resurrected to join their spirits. But what about those who are left here? What about those of us who are alive when Jesus comes back? Well, um, notice what it says in verse 17. And after that, okay, this is the order now. Jesus comes back. Dead in Christ, rise first. And after that, verse 17, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together. So we're, we who are alive, we're caught up. And the rapture is, is, is really arrived from these words, caught up. We're going to be snatched away. Now remember, I, when I say order, like this happens first, and this happens second, this happens, this happens in the blink of an eye. It's not like, you know, you see Jesus coming down, and the bodies are going up, and then it's our turn. to. It's like, bam, and we're already in the air. So even though there's an order to this, it happens so quickly that you're not going to really know the order when it all takes place. You know, if you lost a loved one, um, a spouse, a child, a parent, and they knew the Lord, you know, the reason Paul writes this, according to verse 18, is to encourage you. It's to give you hope. Vance Havner who is said to have been, and he's one of the old day preachers of years gone by, uh, preacher of preachers. And um, the story goes of Vance, well, Vance, he was known for his wit, his humor, and um, his wife passed away before he did. And so he was there at her funeral, and he was standing by the casket, and um, you know the people would come front and console him and try to encourage him with, Words like, oh, we're so sorry for your loss. And they would say things like that. And he said, at one point, I just, I said, listen, you haven't lost anything if you know where it is. <laughs> you know, we talk about a loss, but we haven't really lost our loved ones because we know where they are. And we know what's going to happen in the future. We know they come back. Resurrection bodies go up. And we join them in the air. That's why it speaks here of a grand reunion. It speaks of this wonderful reunion. We're caught up together. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that moment when children will see their parents again? And parents will see their children? And spouses will see their spouses there in the air with Jesus, being all together, and we live with him throughout all eternity. See, that's hope. That's encouragement. That's why he speaks here in verse 18. Encourage one another with these words. You haven't really lost anything if you know where it is. The third point is the rapture distinctives. Now, I, I said in your outline, if you have it in front of you, maybe you don't, that's fine. 
but I uh, took the outline that you see right in front of you from this magazine. Uh, David Leahy, who actually wrote the article that I used a lot of the, uh, for this sermon. Um, let me see where I'm, page 16, here we go. He has a third um, point in the outline, and the outline is the rapture distinctives. And what he does, and I just want to just briefly mention his information, he wants the readers to know that there is a distinction between the rapture and the second coming or the revelation. Uh, so when Jesus comes in the rapture, there's a tribulation period, but then there's also the revelation or the second coming of Jesus. All right? So he is taking the rapture and revelation and making a distinction between the two. And if we are literalists, and I hope you are, we take the Bible literally. I mean, we really do. When it says Israel, <laughs> it means Israel. Now, I say that because I remember uh, Gary Schultz in Sunday school a week or so ago, he asked the question, did uh, the church replace Israel as some would teach? Does the New Testament church, does that replace the nation of Israel in the Old Testament? I hope you are saying in your minds, of course not. The church has not replaced Israel. We're as the church, we're like in this parenthesis. But when the Bible says Israel, it means Israel. It doesn't mean the church. When the Bible says the church, it doesn't mean Israel. There is today what is called replacement. And this is kind of one of those, people tell me when I go down the rabbit trails. <laughs> this is one of those rabbit trails. Because I, it, it makes me a little bit irked, you know, when you hear people talk about the church replacing Israel. As though the Israel does not have a future anymore. As though Israel's not God's people anymore. He's just focused on the church. Israel, are, they are God's people. And although he may not be dealing with them today as he did in the Old Testament, he will again in the future. Because when we get to next week's sermon on the tribulation, that's all about Israel. Because we're not going to be here, right? We've been snatched. Then the tribulation takes place, and God's going to deal with Israel again in the future. So the church has not replaced Israel. Replacement theology, if you ever read that, say, that ain't right. It just isn't right. If you take the Bible literally, then the church never replaces Israel. Israel is Israel is Israel is Israel. It always will be. All right, enough of that. <laughs> now I'm back on track, I think. Well done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I heard that, amen. Um, the rapture distinctives. What is the distinction between the rapture and the revelation? Number one, and this is why I speak about taking the Bible literally. The Bible says when we go up, we're going to meet the Lord where? In the air. At the revelation, when Jesus comes back, in Revelation chapter 19, he comes back and stands on earth. See, when I say literal, I say there's a distinction. If you meet the Lord in the air and he's coming to the earth, there's a difference between the two. Secondly, at the rapture, only born-again believers are going to see Christ. Remember, we're going up. This is in a flash. This is in that twinkling of an eye. 
but there's going to be people here left behind. They're not really going to see us go. I mean, it's going to be that quick. All of a sudden, we just disappear. And so, it's believers, brothers and sisters, he says. He's writing to the church. But at the second coming, the revelation, the entire world is going to see Jesus when he comes back. Everybody sees Jesus coming in power and great glory. The rapture, Christ returns for his church. Second coming, revelation, uh, his church returns, right? We're coming back with Jesus during the revelation uh, and to rule and reign on earth during the millennial period. The rapture is imminent. That word means he can come back before I'm finished talking. Before that phone stops ringing. <laughs> right? Imminent means that Jesus is coming. He can come back morning, noon, or night at any time. We don't know. And we're not looking for signs and wonders. There's no signs or events that precede the rapture. There's nothing has to take place before the rapture takes place. It's the next great event on God's calendar. However, the revelation... When Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation period, there are a lot of signs and wonders that will precede his second coming. And all of those things are found during the tribulation period, and we're going to look at those next week. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 24, where it speaks of all of the signs that should precede the revelation or the second coming of Jesus. So, all of that to say there's a difference between the rapture and revelation separated by seven years of tribulation. Okay, um, the deliverance. The final uh, point, according to David Levy, the Le Levy um, is um, the deliverance. The deliverance. Uh, let me read just uh, something that uh, he says uh, here. He says, the rapture's major mission the rapture's major mission is to deliver the church from God's wrathful judgment of sinful humanity. He says the major mission of the rapture is to get us out of here so we don't have to experience the seven years of tribulation, which the Bible says is, is going to be an unprecedented time. It's going to be hell on earth. That's what it will be. The tribulation for seven years is going to be hell on earth. And that's what we'll look at next week. Um, in 1 Thessalonians, if you're there in chapter 4, let's just jump down to chapter 5 and look at these two verses that open, actually open chapter 5. It says this, now, brothers and sisters, see, he wants to make sure, you know, this is his audience. These are those who will be participating in all of this. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That Jesus will come like a thief in the night. Uh, the NIV Study Bible has a footnote on this verse, verse 1. It says, there have always been some Christians who try to fix the date of our Lord's return, but apparently the Thessalonians were not among them. They weren't interested because they knew they didn't, they, they, you can't know. David Jeremiah said this, you cannot know uh, the rapture, when the rapture will, will occur any more than you can know when a thief is planning to ransack your house. You don't know when a thief's going to come and you know, ransack your house. You don't know when he's coming. 
And so we don't know the day nor the hour of the coming. But it speaks here of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, and it's found that phrase throughout the Old Testament, is a time of God's judgment. It's a time of God's horrible wrath that begins at the rapture of the church. We're caught up, and then this horrible time will take place uh, for seven years here on earth. But look at verse 9, and this is the point of point 4. I'm in 1 Thess 5, 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. See, we're not appointed, and I take the wrath here in this verse to mean the tribulation. That we have not been appointed to that. We as the church, we as Christians, God hasn't appointed us or chosen us to go through the seven years of tribulation. And so the primary purpose, according to David Leahy, is to take us out, get us out of here so we don't have to go through those seven years of tribulation. But I want to close this morning with this thought. We, as Christians, and I trust that you are, the Bible says we are caught up. Christians, which means that there are many left behind. Two weeks ago when we spoke on John the Baptist and the coming of Jesus, I, I purposely tried to create in all of you, attention. <laughs> Sometimes tension is good. What is tension? Tension is that mental or emotional strain. It's that condition that, that you're being stretched like a bungee cord. Have you ever been stretched like a bungee cord? And my question to you two weeks ago was, are you ready for Jesus to come back? And I heard some of you say yes. I heard those amens, even if you didn't say them out loud. We're ready. But then I said, but you know what? When Jesus comes back, our opportunity to witness is over. When Jesus comes back in the rapture, there are going to be a lot of people who are left behind to go through this horrible tribulation. And worse yet, to spend an eternity without God. Let me read to you what it says in this one article. It says, Christians who believe in the rapture were often portrayed as escapists. They just want to leave this world and all their problems behind. That sounds good, doesn't it? And I have no problem with that. <laughs> we do want to leave. But you know, when we leave our problems behind, we leave people behind. We leave family members behind. We leave friends behind. We leave so many of those we know behind. And when we're taken out of this world, the opportunity for us to witness, it's gone. It's gone. That old song, uh, work for the night is coming, or 
when that time comes, uh, no man will work again. Now, lest you think that we ought not have this tension in us. The tension is this. We want to go, but when we do, we leave so many people behind. Lest you think that tension isn't a good thing, uh, turn to Philippians chapter 1. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Listen again, as I said, I think two weeks ago, we, we need to be longing for the coming of Jesus. We're waiting for Jesus to come. We're, we're excited for him to come. I get that. But I keep thinking about when he comes. My job's over. And your job's over. Witnessing doesn't take place. You can't witness to those after that. You're not here. So what we have done in this lifetime, it ends. Unless you think that this tension isn't a good thing, turn to first, or, or Philippians chapter 1. And this is uh, Paul once again. Uh, remember where Paul is in the book of Philippians. He's in prison. If Paul, uh, if, if there's anyone who wanted to get out of this world and uh, be with Jesus and get out of a, such, a terrible situation, it's the apostle Paul. But notice what he says. Starting at verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Of course it is. We're with Jesus forever. These bodies are changed. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, he says, what shall I choose? I don't know. He says, I'm torn. There's the tension. Paul is torn. He says, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. We know that for me. But notice what Paul says. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul says for now, and we know Paul doesn't have a choice, right? I mean, he can't choose to die. God, you know, he holds the key to life and death. So uh, Paul is just kind of sharing his thoughts right now. He says, you know, for me, that would be so much better. I get out of this old rugged prison, out of this dungeon, and I'll be with my Lord and be glorified forever. But then he looks at other people. He looks at his ministry. And he says, but for all of you folks, he understands the importance of spreading the gospel. Wow, it's still day. He understands that. And so he is caught up in this tension. He says, I'm not sure what to do in this situation. But he says, I would love to be with Jesus. But he understands the importance of telling others about how to have a relationship with Jesus. You know, someday... God's going to look at his son, Jesus, and he's going to say, Jesus, it's time now. You know, the Bible says Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. No one knows that they are time. Jesus, it's time now. God's, the Father's going to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, it's time now to go collect your bride. Right now is the moment. Jesus, we've been waiting for this. Now's the time. You go down and you collect your church and you bring them all home. Bring them all home. But when that happens, what about those left behind? And there will be many 
Someone has said the church today, we have this opportunity to get our heads out of the sand like an ostrich and start to understand that family and friends and loved ones, they're going to be left behind. And as I said earlier, still more tragic is the fact that so many will go to a lost eternity because you and I, we have failed to share Jesus with them. So while we wait, and we wait, and we long for, and like Paul, we desire for Jesus to come, we have work to do. We have work to do. While we wait, we witness. We know Jesus is coming back. We know the time is coming. We don't know when, but we do know that Jesus is coming back. And when that happens, then there's no longer time and room for us, opportunity to be able to share God's love with others. Work for the night is coming when man's work is o'er. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you that you have revealed things to us, and we find great hope, Lord, great hope in knowing that um, our future is, is secure, uh, that, Lord, we have a place in heaven that is being prepared for us. Father, we know those things, but, but knowing, Lord, that some will be left behind, it, it does cause us, like Paul, to have a sense of tension, the desire to be with you, but, Father, the understanding that we have so much yet to do here. Help us, Lord, in our witness. Help us to live a life that shows people how much God loves them. Father, help us not to be ashamed of the gospel as we read. Some were. Help us, Lord, to be able to tell others how they too could have the assurance of a home in heaven. So again, Father, I pray that your spirit might continue to work in and through us. And Father, I pray that you might help us to be your witness in life and in word. Lord, it's not just living the life. They need to hear the word of God and the good news of Jesus. So we commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing a, one of those great songs to end a service like this. I'll fly away. Uh, that day's coming when we're going to fly to meet Jesus in the air. So stand with me, if you would, please, and let's sing this together. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on celestial shore. Shadows of this night before I'll fly away.
It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. 